0: If you can, if you can hug them, we'll hug them. That's okay too. If you need to hug yourself, go ahead and do that. <sighs> Been in a series, theological series, I guess it would. Somewhat theology, but we're talking about God, I, God, am, and we've looked at uh, several of his attributes, his greatness, trying to describe him, omnipresence, he's everywhere, his omnipotence, he is all-powerful, his omniscience, he knows everything, but you and I ultimately understand his greatness and especially his love only to the degree that we experience that love. You see, great love can only be felt and known if you experience it. Amen? I mean, when I married Cindy, I didn't have any idea what great love was. 35 years into this thing, I'm learning more every day of what it is. Uh, When she sees Braden and Kelsey, I understand that great love. There's just something about grandkids and grandparents, isn't there? I'm loving it. Loving every minute of it. Even when Corey posts a picture of his dog, I get kind of teary-eyed. Because old Champo's a good, a good dog. And uh, he, loves, he loves Champ. Corey does. He loves that dog. Poor kid that comes along, Champo's going to be in trouble. But we really never understand God's great love until we experience it ourselves. I've contended for many, many years, especially since in my own life in the early 90s, I felt this, I I experienced it. When great grace is extended to you, it's easier to give it to other people, is it not? So it goes with love. And I hope today to describe two great truths about the love of God that will clearly help you taste and see that the Lord is good, that you'll leave here today committed not to just file away some additional information about the love of God, but that you'll take steps to <clears throat> experience it, experience that love that God has for us. Uh, we've been in Exodus 3, it's there on the front of your bulletin, that's kind of our theme verse. and. Uh, Moses asked him, who who do I tell Pharaoh sent me? And he says, "Uh, the great I Am sent you. But I'd like for you to look at that Ephesians 3 passage there on the bottom of your um, bulletin. Paul prays, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Would you underline that phrase? May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Christ's song was so powerful today. His mercy, his mercy, his mercy. Wow. So see, my prayer today is that we would understand that these two truths about God's love, and and, and not only understand them, but we would then take whatever steps we need to experience the parts of God's love that we don't fully understand. So let's go ahead and get into our notes on the inside. The first truth about God's love is because God is all loving, I can experience God's love personally. I can experience God's love personally. It's a lot easier for us to believe that God loves the world than it is that God loves me personally. Because we begin to listen to the voices of Satan who says we're not worthy. We're not worthy. And you know what? We're not. (laughs) We're not worthy at all. In fact, you and I are pretty worthless people, except... for this this makes us awesome this makes us worth more than you could ever hope that cross and we'll celebrate about that resurrection next week but that cross is where Jesus is going this week today in history he's riding into jerusalem on the back of a donkey and they're praising him only a week later to kill him (laughs) wow i can know god's love personally because we've developed all these false beliefs about god's love that we've gotten from people all around us, from the media, from other religions. And these false beliefs keep us from experiencing God's love in a personal way. So today I would like to look at the Bible and try to strip away some of the false beliefs that keep us from experiencing that love personally. I can experience God's love personally even, this is your next fill in, even when I don't feel His love. I can experience it personally even when I don't, Feel his love. You see, the Bible, God says in the Bible that he constantly uses suffering and difficult circumstances to make me better, better prepared to enjoy eternity. Our church just has gone through a terrible thing. We will be a better church. We will be a stronger church. Uh, It's amazing, amazing what God has already done just in the last few weeks. It's been amazing to watch i hope sometime to be able to testify to you about it but just suffice it to say now god is doing a marvelous thing and i believe we're going to touch some people that we've never touched before because god is going to bring a victory but these times that we go through these difficult times they build our character do they not Part of the problem with young people today is that they're not given the opportunity to work through hard times. We parents bail them out too quick. Yeah, yeah. I remember when my boys turned 16 and they thought they were supposed to have a car. At 16, something magically would happen and a car would appear in the driveway for them to drive. Not just any car. Not... Just any car. After all, they went to Jinx High School. So the first one that they got, Jeff could describe it to you. His brother, Corey, got to help him buy it and yet not drive it. And when he tried to drive it, was told that from Jeff, it's my car. The battle was on. Oh and, it, oh, and it was a fine, fine, fine piece of equipment. A little Malibu classic. If we paid $500 for it, it would have been a miracle. I don't know what color it was. It, it, depended on when the sun was shining and how it looked at the time. <laughs> but you'd have thought, you'd have thought they had the finest, finest car in the world. And then Corey got smart. He got his own. And he got a standard shift because he knew Jeff couldn't drive it. <laughs> but the bad news is he couldn't either. But we learned. All these were building character in each of these young men. They were building character. Tough times do that, does it, don't they? Tough times will build that character in us. And I feel, honestly, the most loved by God when I believe that he has just done something for me that affects my life, usually in the way that I like it to affect me. But what's in reality, it's when I've gone through those tough times that I see him more, love me even more. When I can experience that love. And, you know, if we're only looking for the good times, for God to to show up in the good times, we're going to miss out on so many opportunities. Don't let them get away from you. Don't let them get away from you. When we had our first child, and as a first-time parent, all of you are going to identify with me that have, have a first time child <laughs> how anxious you are now dads we had to be really strong we had to act like everything was together and she's sitting there screaming at us saying words we hadn't heard for some time come out of that little person and we had to rush her to the hospital right I mean it was imperative that we get there and we're doing everything we can to keep it all together And really, once we get her there to the hospital and the nurses and the doctors start taking care of her and we're asked to go out of the room, we really act like we don't want to go out of the room. But we're really glad when we get to go out of the room, aren't we? Because we really don't want to be a part of that. Because that screaming and hollering just is not fun at all. And so we get a chance to go outside in the hallway and just kind of stand around and look. And then those dads that have been there where we are come by and go, how you doing? I'm not doing very good at all. I know you look pale, (laughs) but you got to buck up and be strong for her, okay? And so, 12 hours later, when I was asked to leave the room again while he gave her an epidural, and I came back in after he said it was okay, he said, he said, "Dad, you can go back in." So I went back in. Well, she's sitting on the side of the bed, swinging her legs and whistling. I said, who stole my wife? But when that boy came out, that's good stuff, isn't it? The trial and tribulation that got that child here afforded us proof of God's love for us. Because just when I thought she was going to die, because she told me I'm going to die, more than once she told me, I'm going to die. And then when I realized that she's not going to die, proof positive of God's love. In fact, it's far greater than I could ever hope for. Look at Romans eight thirty two there in your notes. Let's read it together. Ready? God did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't God who gave us Christ also give us everything else? Well, that's a powerful verse, isn't it? Powerful promise. It's really a... a an argument from the greater to the lesser. He's using logic here. It's a tool of logic. If God gave us his only son, the greatest thing, that absolute proof is is that, and that's absolute proof that he would also give us every good thing. Because if he will give you his very best, then he will cover anything else that he'll give you. Just trust him. Just trust him. The proof of God's love is that he's already given us the greatest, the most imaginable gift of all in his son jesus christ and surely he'll do everything else that he says he'll do if we'll but trust him the bible teaches that throughout god won't withhold anything from us now there's things that we maybe want things that we may like but he will never withhold the good things that we need from us so i can experience god's love personally even when i don't feel his love And secondly, second fill in for you, even when I don't think I'm good enough. Even when I don't think I'm good enough. You see, we've often accepted the wrong idea that God's love is for people who are good enough. Who read their Bible enough, who pray enough. Who sacrifice enough to be able to hang out with Jesus. I mean, after all, those are the kind of people that he wants to hang out with. But these are not the people that God is calling to follow him. Look at Matthew 11. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Would you notice here in this passage that Jesus is not calling the strong and the people who have it all together. He's calling the weary and those who are carrying heavy burdens. That's who he's calling. That's you. And me. That's us. Because we struggle, don't we? We wonder how we're going to make the next bill. We wonder how we're going to make the next meal. Are we going to have food? We wonder. Can I put gas in my car? Oh, sure. It's ten cents less than it was three weeks ago. Whoop-de-do. It still costs an enormous amount of money to fill up a car with gasoline. The burdens are great. Kids getting ready to go to college. Some of you are getting kids. Some of you just put kids in college and some of you are just getting, hey, listen, it's just money. Just remember that. It's just money. Thousands of dollars of money. It's just money. I'm going to be paying back the government till I die. And then I'm going to let my kids pay it back. It's all. Awesome. Since they racked up the bill, they ought to be able to pay for it. Amen? Grateful I could do it. But we get weary. We get tired of carrying these burdens. Do you know what the requirement is to follow Jesus. It's not being strong enough. It's not being good enough. It's really in realizing that you're not good enough. That you're not strong enough to follow him. So if, when you put your full trust in him and his strength instead of your own, you begin to experience things that you've never experienced before. Because being good enough to experience God's love is kind of like getting cleaned up to take a bath. <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Miss the whole point. God loves us not because we're good enough to be loved, because the Bible tells us that God is loving, so it's impossible for God to do anything but love us. He can do nothing but love us. The, in fact, for God to stop loving us, even for a millisecond, would, would mean that he would cease to be God, because he loves us. And that will never happen because the Bible tells us that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I can experience God's love personally even when I don't think I'm good enough. Your next fill in, I can experience that love personally even when I doubt. Even when I doubt. I can experience God's love personally even when I doubt. Look how Jesus said it in Matthew 28. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them, now I want you to look at this. Some of them, what does your Bible say? Doubted. Doubted. Jesus came, told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And I think it's really interesting because some of them struggled with doubt. Some of them who had even seen these great miracles, some of them who had had even seen him do these things that he had done, heard, saw people change, saw blind men see, deaf people hear, lame people walk, still doubted i know that half the stuff that i do in my life i mean you know i'm really over my head in some of the things that i do i wonder sometimes can god use somebody like me with all my limitations all my hang-ups but in this passage jesus is not just talking to superstar disciples who have great faith and never doubt i mean he gives his final command this is what he's common is what we commonly call the great commission and when he's giving it not only to those who have great faith But he says specifically, some of them doubted. That should make you and me feel good. I feel better knowing that some people who saw and witnessed still had doubts. Jesus called even those who doubted to fulfill the Great Commission and to make disciples of all nations. So when I struggle with doubt, I have to remind myself it's not the size of my faith. It's the size of the God in whom I'm putting my faith. It's like when I plug in a lamp into an electrical socket, and when I plug it in, all I have to do is plug it in, and really all I have to do is just touch the socket, and all of a sudden, great power pours into that lamp at the slightest of connections. It's absolutely amazing to watch, isn't it? And then if you stick other things in there you're not supposed to, you see other things get lit up, too. That's not so much fun. But all I need is just enough faith. My point is, is all I need is just enough faith to connect to God. That's all I need to do. If I can get connected to God through my faith, things are going to come alive. That's why Jesus said, a faith that's even as small as the tiniest seed can move a mountain. But it's not the faith that can move the mountain. It's the God in whom I put that faith who can move that mountain. But there's got to be a connection to God. The Bible tells us that our sin, the choice that each and every one of us makes goes to go our own way instead of God's way, will keep us separated from Him. In fact, the Bible says that the consequences of our sin is death. Separation from God here on earth and in this life and even in eternity in a very real place that the Bible calls hell is there. There's a lot of people who want to write it off. A lot of people say hell doesn't exist. I'd like to ask some people that recently died what they think. But you know, God loves me so much. He loves me so much that he became a man in the form of a man named Jesus Christ. And he came, he lived, and he died on the cross to take care of that sin. He took the punishment that we deserved for our sin. And now you and I have a choice to make. We can choose to go our own way, suffer the eternal consequences, or we can accept Jesus' death on the cross as payment for our sin, choose to trust him, and follow him. That's the choice. In fact, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that right now, to connect with God, to experience his love personally. Would you pray with me for just a minute? Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. I'm going to pray a prayer of a person who would like to be a follower of Jesus. and If my prayer is expressing where you are and the desires of your heart, perhaps silently you would just pray this prayer to God, but as you listen, perhaps it's your prayer as well. Dear God, I admit I have sinned. I've been living my own way and not yours, but I believe that Jesus took that punishment that I deserved when He died on the cross, and I know I cannot save myself from the consequences of my sin. So right now, I put my trust in you to forgive me, to give me the power that I need to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know that all of us who put our trust in Jesus, all of us that are trying to follow him, we sometimes don't feel his love, or we don't think we're good enough, or we struggle with doubt, and we sometimes tend to think, God, if you would just show me your love in some tangible way, then then I would know how much that you love me. And yet we continue to forget that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross some 2,000 years ago is the most tangible display of love in all of human history. And that Jesus instructed us to remember his love for us through what you and I call the Lord's Supper. We do it every week. And you might say, well, it gets kind of mundane and routine. Only if you let it. This is my time. You can't steal this time from me. You can't borrow it from me. This is my time. Now, if you grew up in a church that didn't take it every Sunday, that's okay. Not a problem. Because Jesus said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So I'm grateful that we have a church that does this every week. Because it gives me a chance to get reconnected you know when I take that little piece of bread and that's all it is is a little piece of bread but it represents so much more doesn't it it represents so much more it is such a powerful little piece of bread and as I take that bread I realize that I'm remembering Jesus his broken body that he broke For my sake. He died for my sake. For God so loved Harold. That he gave his only begotten son. That if Harold would believe in him. He would not perish. But have everlasting life. That's the personal God that I know. So that little, that little piece of bread and then the Bible teaches us that Jesus took the cup and he said this is my blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so every time I hold that cup I think wow. Blood is represented by this little cup of, of juice. I haven't Shed blood for the cause of Christ yet. But at Calvary, he shed blood, real blood for me. By his stripes, I'm healed. So when you take that cup and that blood, was shed oh my goodness stop and consider what happened the bible tells us that the life of a person is in their blood so when i trust his strength instead of my own that's the path to real life to trust in him and his sacrifice And when I look at God's great sacrifice, I know that Jesus willingly chose to face death for me. I know that I can experience God's love personally even when I don't feel it, even when I don't think I'm good enough, even when I struggle with doubt. That truth, that great truth about God's love calls me to respond and it leads me to that second great truth about God's love. And that is because God is all loving, I can invite others to experience God's love. Because God is all-loving, I can invite others to experience God's love. You see, nothing causes you to experience God more than by sharing His love with other people. When the Apostle Paul wrote to his friend Philemon, he said, I pray that you may be active in sharing your, your faith, that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. We can't experience God's love fully until we are inviting others to experience His love as well. But true love is focused on others, not on myself. I think if you've been around here, you, you hear me talk about inviting, 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 inviting. Because we can't invite enough. And I know you get discouraged about inviting people to come to church because they keep telling you no. <laughs> you keep inviting. Pretty soon they'll come. Just, it'll say it this way. Hey, look, if you'll just come one Sunday, I'll quit asking they'll come the next sunday they'll come the next sunday to get you to shut up if you're asking them enough but keep asking keep inviting and the bible clearly teaches that one of the primary paths through which we experience god's love personally is when we invite others to experience his love as well and we need to remember christ's sacrifice on the cross and even as we do every week during communion we need to meditate on his goodness and see creation and all that happens around us. We need to meditate on the goodness in prayer and the goodness in his word. But if all we ever do is just read the Bible and chant over and over, God loves me, God loves me, God's loved me, then we'll grow stagnant and become self-focused. And being self-focused is the opposite of love. Elie Weissel was a Holocaust survivor and he... He said, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. I saw a 2020 program this week where the young people in Pennsylvania were the two football players. Yeah, are in trouble for doing something to a young girl at 16. But what I saw and what, what broke my heart were how many Young people stood around and did nothing. Didn't see anything wrong with what was going on. In fact, one of the young men, he said, "Well, I, I didn't rape her. I didn't. I didn't rape her." Of course, we learned that from one of our presidents that he didn't have sex with that young that young woman. You see, we've let the lines get too gray, haven't we? sin is sin is sin and we can try to walk away from it we can try to just stay blind to it but we can't stay indifferent (laughs) if you see somebody hurting you ought to step up and do something about it if you see somebody get run over by a car in the road are you just going to keep walking by or are you going to go out and try to help them oh I understand you might be sued Yeah, I got it. I understand. Do you see what I'm saying? Do we care enough? Do we care enough? Or are we just going to keep being indifferent and say, well, somebody else will tell them? Because you see, when we focus primarily on ourselves and our experiences and our enjoyment of God's love, without a healthy focus on inviting others to experience that love as well, we actually don't move toward God. We actually move away from God's love. Now, I don't know how you feel about inviting others to experience love, but I, I can find it intimidating at times. And you might think that's silly for me to say that, but it's true. Look at Colossians 4.2. It says, devote yourself to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us, too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. Pray that I will proclaim his message as clearly as I should. But notice the emphasis here, that the first thing that you devote yourself to is what? Prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. If we don't devote ourselves to prayer, uh, it, 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 it's just not going to go. It's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Uh, and and and, you know, maybe maybe we go up to somebody and we say, "Hey, having a nice day?" Well, listen, kind of hot out here, isn't it? And you know what else was hot? Well, hell's hot. If you don't straighten up, you're going there. <laughs> well, yeah, you know that's that's probably one one approach, but i found that most people don't respond very well when you come up and just blatantly go at it that way. Uh, we need to spend some time developing relationships with them. And we need to start praying for them. Preacher friend of mine. Uh, he, he tells a story. I, I just love this story. He, uh, he used to work at a, at a, uh, uh, a company, and he had an immediate supervisor, and he had oh, 10 or 11 other people that they worked together as a team, as a group. <coughs> and he was challenged uh, at Easter to, to do something about his faith, and so he decided he would use Easter as his opportunity. He said, after all, you give gifts at Christmas, why don't we give gifts at uh, Easter? So he got really uh, sharp, and he, he went out, and he found uh, 10 to 12, uh, not El Chipo Bibles, but Bibles that he could uh, give as gifts, and he wrapped them up, but he wrote on the inside of each one of them a personal note to each person, that he was going to give the Bibles to. And so he go, gets to work, and uh, he uh, puts them in the mail slots for each of the uh, co-workers that he's got there. And he, he, and he thought, you know, I bet my immediate supervisor when he gets this is going to come over here and fire me. I know that's what's going to happen. So he gets them all in there. He gets there a little bit early. He's riding the, uh, he rides the train into work, and so he gets there, and, and he's got this a sack full of Bibles, and you know, he's got these knots in his stomach, and he's really having a hard time but he gets there, and he, puts all the, he gets there early enough and puts all the Bibles in the slots where anybody else gets there, and then he goes to his desk, and then he's kind of acting like he's working, but he's kind of watching the mailboxes and all that stuff. And sure enough, who's the first one that comes to get his Bible out of his mailbox but his supervisor? <coughs> and he gets there, opens it up, turns around, and immediately looks at my friend. And he goes, well, this is it. He's coming over here, and this is it. I'm done. And he comes over and he says, a Bible, a gift for Easter. And he just knew the hammer was going to fall. And then the boss looks at him and he says, what a great idea. What a great idea. That's amazing. Thank you. And he goes back to his desk. So that kind of energized him. And he watched the rest of them come in. They get their Bible and then... They'd open it up and they'd read the little part and then they'd come over and they'd talk to him about it. You know, they were all excited. The color that he had chosen for them and just the little thing that he had written in the fly part of it. They were really excited about it because you see, how in the world could he be anything but an Easter hero now? And he was. He became this hero at Easter. But he didn't know what he'd do beyond Easter. (laughs) So he started to pray. He started to pray for opportunities and I'm telling you if you'll pray now between now and Easter we got seven days between now and Easter you have two cards hold them up hold them up (coughs) I'm not asking you to take 20 I'm just giving you two and what I've been excited about is that these haven't been laying around in the church. After every Sunday. I've asked you to take these and give them away. And I want you to do it again. Seven days. We're down, we're down to the wire. We're down to the, the countdown is on. I took a bunch of these to Hugo's this morning. And I asked them if I could put them at the cash register. And they, they just took them out of my hand. And put them up there for me. I don't know. Somebody might come. I'm hoping they will. I'm hoping Hugo's, I'm going to pray for Hugo's to close next Sunday so that somebody will come to church down here, just down the street. Now, they'll be mad that Hugo's is closed on Easter Sunday, but I'm praying that they will. In fact, I might go in this week and suggest that. That's not above me. And I may just suggest that. In fact, I'll suggest the owner that he bring everybody with him to church on Sunday. I'm trying to get 10 to 15 people to come at my invitation. I'm just asking you for two. Will you do it? You see, these little tools can make a difference. I've got more on the table back there. I've got our tickets back there. Take them and give them away. I've already printed them up, so I need you to give them away. I'd rather give them away than throw them away. Amen? So you you do that. And we've got seven days now to do an impact. Seven days to make Eastern River Oaks one of the most exciting times that we've ever had. I told you, years ago, we had 240. 240 people packed into this little building in two different services. Isn't that awesome? That means we had 100 people come at 8 o'clock, and we had 140 come at 10.30. It was awesome. I'll never forget it. In fact, we were short. So my son went over to the parsonage and got those people who were going to the lake to stop by and let us count them before they left, (laughs) because we were counting them. They were standing in the back in their flip flops and had their, had their uh, rubber ducks on, and they were ready to go. But we got them counted in here, and they heard an amen, and off they went. Is it about the numbers? No, it's about every soul that that number represents. And Easter's an opportunity. Easter's an opportunity. So let's take advantage of that opportunity that God has given us. And as we close, let's pray together. God, you know, you see my doubts and our doubts. You know the fears in the hearts of every person that's sitting in this room this morning. And God, I've had them hold up these cards. And I just want to ask you to help Us this week Pass some more of these cards out Help us to pray For for an opportunity To share our faith with somebody That we invite to church To join us Easter Sunday Help us to be alert When you give those opportunities And when you begin to answer that prayer God I'm praying that As each person comes in next Sunday They will introduce to me Two to three people that they brought with them God, I just want to thank you ahead of time because I think you're going to do something marvelous and great and exciting and we're just going to sit back in amazement and watch what you do. And it's going to happen right here next Sunday because of the invitations of your people in this church. God, I know there's people in this room that are struggling in their life. I know there's people in this room that the burdens are heavy. Would you bring release? Would you bring peace? There will be people in this room who don't know you, never have claimed you as a Savior, would love to study and teach them, help them understand. There might be another group of people in this this room who want to join this church and make this church their home and call it home. There might just be someone in this room that needs to come up, get on their knees, and call out to you. Whatever need is prevalent, whatever need is in their heart and in their life, would you respond to them, through them, as we sing this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.